Hey everyone, welcome to Breaking Into Cybersecurity, and this week we have an amazing guest, uh, Amy Stokes Walters. But before we get to hear her amazing story, I would encourage everyone to subscribe to our YouTube channel if, if you haven't done so already, as well as uh, your favorite podcast uh, provider, that way you can get this show on the go. Um, and with us today, Amy Stokes Walters, I came across her because she's just such a loud and vibrant character on LinkedIn. And when I put out a call for individuals that had broken into cybersecurity, uh, she jumped on it. And so here she is today. Uh, Amy, you want to tell the audience a little bit about your background and um, uh, we'll, we'll jump into the rest of the show? Sure thing. Hello, everyone. Um, so my name is Amy Stokes Waters, as Chris kindly introduced me. Um, I work in cybersecurity sales, so I sell pen testing, security assurance, as some people call it, um, compliance standards, all of the usual fun stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's me. Perfect. So, well, let, let's go into a little bit about your background. So, what did you used to do before cybersecurity? And then we could talk about what interests you in cybersecurity and then what you do today. Sure thing. So I'll start at the beginning, I guess. So um, when I left UD, I did, so I did English and French at university. Okay. Um, and I was like, I need a job like now. Um, so I just messaged all of my mum's contacts on LinkedIn and went, I'm fabulous. Someone give me a role, please. <laughs> And um, someone eventually turned around and was like, yeah, you can come work for this IT company. So I'd never thought about IT as an option for my career because English and French doesn't naturally translate to those to, to, to IT, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, someone gave me a, a job at an IT company working as a project manager um, with no project management experience, which was interesting. So yeah, I used to, I used to do IT project management. And then I, um, and then I got asked to work in sales basically because I'm a loud mouth I think um is maybe the reason um so I used to sell uh like office 365 um I'm sure most people have bought that now so I'm glad I'm out of that game um like Azure, <laughs> Azure migrations um yeah that was kind of where I was at before I moved into cyber let's talk about that a little bit so IT project management from um doing essentially being a language person what were mm. some of the struggles that you got going into that role um to begin with um well I've always been mega confident and just said I can go and do whatever I want to go do so I decided I was going to do well I suppose uh, to be fair actually when I left uni I was, when I was leaving uni I spoke to my mum and I was like mum I think I should go into marketing marketing sounds like my jam mm -hmm. and my mum was like okay, here's a pen. Can you tell me five reasons why I should buy it? And I was like, no, I can't tell you any reasons why I should buy it. What a ridiculous question. She was like, well, that's marketing, Amy. So there's <laughs> something else to do. Um, she was like, what are you good at? And I said, I'm really good at organizing people and like getting people together. So she was mm -hmm. like, well, project management sounds like more of your kind of thing that you might want to do. So I started looking at project so then, yeah, started looking at project management. Um, and basically message people like, I'd be a great project manager. I've got no experience in it whatsoever. Never managed project ever, but I think I'd be really good. So give me a role doing that. Um, and someone did. And yeah, so project project management was fun. Um, it was difficult because I didn't know anything about it. I spent spend a lot of, well, I mean, I still do it now. I spend a lot of time on Google thinking, mm -hmm. 
what the hell am I doing? Um, but yeah, so pro- project management was different because I guess it, at uni, you, you don't really get much of that like real world experience of what actual jobs are going to be like anyway. Uh-huh. I'm going to be a teacher. Um, so yeah, I think, well, I think the transition from uni to, to real life is, is a big one. But yeah, okay. the transition from English to French to project management was um was interesting. But yeah, apparently I aced it because I became I got I think I I think I got a fifty percent pay rise in the first year. Well, nice, nice, it was nice, right? So, do, do you think now that I'm drinking wine because in the UK it is six p.m. So okay. if anyone's watching from not the UK, I'm not. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it is six o'clock on a Friday. No, no problem, and I appreciate that you joined us this late. Um, for your time so you then you went from project management to sales what why why that transition um so I worked so I was working like client facing project management but then um our company got bought out and I got brought into um like the internal project management team and we were rolling out new products to the organization so we started selling like office 365 and Azure and kind of my the Microsoft licensing thing and I was in charge of like rolling out the new platform to help us okay. sell that um, and I became like the subject matter expert on Microsoft licensing mm-hmm. um, and our sales director came to me and was like well all the sales team are already asking you about it anyway and you're really chatty and you don't shut up and quite good at- <laughs> <laughs> you're quite good at making friends with people so do you want to be in sales and I was like yeah why not like sounds <laughs> That's fun. I like a challenge. Let's do it. So I just moved into sales from 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 that. So it was it's definitely a big change going from like you guaranteed this wage to you have to go and sell some stuff to people and mm. actually do some stuff. Like as if you work out the harder you work, the more money you get. But um yeah, it was a it was a good change. I uh, I like it and it's it's motivated me a lot. So you you were selling Office 365, Azure migrations, everything like that. So it's almost into cybersecurity already. Um, did you sell any other security solutions as part of that or not yet? I maybe told the person that employed me afterwards that I'd sold some of the security solutions prior to that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so what happened was like Office, Office 365, so it was about, how long ago was it? Probably about five years ago. Okay. So, M365 wasn't a mm-hmm. thing, you know, that like, includes all of the security solutions. It was literally Office 365 we were selling. Mm-hmm. And then I had um, I had my child and went on maternity leave. And when I came back to my job, I was like, shit, what, what's this M365 thing? Like, who? what is it? I don't understand any of it. What is all this stuff that they've now included? <laughs> um, so I had to kind of learn it really quickly. But it was like, I think it was one of them, like, because I had like, I had a year and a bit off when I had Margot. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of change and I realized like wow when you take a year off loads changes in technology like boys are so lucky that they don't take well you're not lucky that you don't take a year off but you are because <laughs> a year off works really cool um, <laughs> but you are lucky that you don't like there's no obligation for you guys to kind of do that right um but yeah so when I came back I was like shit I need to learn about all this security stuff and I started looking at it and it was just so interesting mm-hmm. um, but yeah that's kind of where the transition maybe started okay so then I, I looked at the microsoft security architecture because the guy that was managing me at the time was like we need to understand the security stuff and he showed me the microsoft security architecture and i was like right as 
where do you even start with it? I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like a diagram that's like a full, like it's yeah. a full screen and it's got like a million boxes on it and everything interconnects with each other and it's so confusing. But once you kind of get, once you kind of start getting into it, it's it's fairly easy to understand. But like mm-hmm. looking at it from an outsider, you're like, whoa. And so I'm guessing you took that challenge. You You had that frustration. How do you translate that? frustration and confusion that you had to your customers to simplify it for them? I think I've always had quite a natural knack at taking like something that's quite complex and making it simple. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm, cause I'm not technical at all. Like I've got no technical background. Like I said, my degree was in English and French, mm-hmm. um, but I'm good at communicating. Or hopefully everyone thinks I'm good at communicating. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise you'd be like, what the hell is this girl saying? Um, but I'm all, I've always been quite good at taking like quite a complex topic and like boiling it down to the basics. So I thought if I look at this security architecture, what are the basics of it? So if you look at what the products are, there's like Azure AD. Okay, so Azure AD is identity management. So we can we can kind of chunk that down to identity management means X, Y, and Z. It means you know multi-factor authentication. It means conditional access. It means whatever. Mm-hmm. We can look at you can look at MCAS, which is a CAS B, which is quite a complex tool in itself but if you actually mm-hmm. think of it as it's sanctioning apps that you can use or it's saying no you can't use this app right that's that is basically what is what its purpose is it's got a lot of other functionality but mm-hmm. it's base purpose. so if you try and boil, i always try and boil it down to like what's the simplest way of explaining it to people mm-hmm. and then as they get more interested in it then we can kind of build up your we can build up kind of the detail from there but if we can boil it down to the the bare bones of what it does then we can build up from that. That That's such a core concept because I think a, a lot of individuals within cybersecurity struggle with that communication and with that ability to, to boil down complex topics into bite-sized chunks so that the business can understand because ultimately they're, they, they were like you, right? They're not technical. They don't come from that that background um yeah. so you're definitely interesting um <laughs> one of the one of the guests uh, i have to post this comment um one of the guests said not technical my foot um <laughs> <laughs> i'm honestly not ten- anyone that you talk to will tell you i'm not technical like i understand the concepts of cybersecurity. so i've always mm-hmm. under- over the last couple of years i kind of learned like these are the things that you need to be doing mm-hmm. in but I would never be able to sit there and kind of like configure it so so I've always so in my last job that was working for a Microsoft vendor so that was just selling like the Microsoft security stack this job Mm -hmm. now is selling pen testing Mm -hmm. but I've never had to know anything about networking until I joined this job Mm -hmm. so I asked someone the other day what a port was and they were like are you kidding me? Like you work in cybersecurity. And I was like, I don't know. Like, why would I know this? Like, no one's ever explained this to me. I've never understood networking at all. Like, I've all everything I've done's always been like cloud security. So it's always mm-hmm. been like SBs, DLP, whatever other acronyms you want to throw in <laughs> we all have a good acronym in cyber. Um, I've never had to like understand the networking side of things. So like infrastructure just confuses the shit out of me. Like I've not I've got no experience in that area. So I've, like, I'm learning it now. I've got, yeah. I had my friend like make little one minute videos to be like, so this is what a network looks like. This is what a firewall does. And I was like, great, thanks. Um, and I had a, uh, I had a guy tell me that I should go and like try hack me and see how far I get to see how technical like I could be. Mm-hmm. And the first, bo- the first box I was trying to hack on, hack- it was either hack the box or try hack me. 
it said, um, which, what's the IP address of this VM? And mm-hmm. I looked at the question and I was like, I'm just going to shut the laptop and go get a glass of wine because there's no <laughs> way. I don't, even, I don't really understand the question. I've got no chance of ever, um, of ever answering this question. So I'm just going to go. If I drink wine, it'll be fine. Nice. So Ted followed up with technical does not mean engineer. It means understanding and communicating. It's very crucial and very technical. That's correct. Um, so I think when it comes to that, you're technical because you're understanding these complex topics and then you're able to break it down. Um, mm. I think when I think your meaning of technical is hands on keyboard doing the actual configurations. And I'm the same way. Like, um, I can understand like AWS security and how the different products work together or Azure security and how the different products work together. But yeah. um, you, you don't want me configuring your firewall. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a button clicker. I can explain the concept, but that's it. Like I'm not, <laughs> I work in sales, right? I just have to know, like, I have to know what it does. I don't need to know how it does it. So, so let's talk about uh, your, as you transition into that sales role, uh, selling, um, pen testing and 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 those concepts. So how do you break down those concepts, which easily gets confused, like red team and pen test? Like how do you break apart these so that your customers have appropriate understanding as to what you're buying? Um. So actually, when I first started my role, I did not know the difference between red team and pen test, which is <laughs> I um I actually found a guy called Chris. I think he's called Chris Powell. Chris Powell, if you're watching this, don't be offended that I forgot your name. Um, <laughs> he explained to me the difference between kind of like vulnerability, of like a vulnerability scan, mm-hmm. a pen test, and a red team exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've since explained it to my parents, which means that I can now explain it to normal humans who have no level of understanding <laughs> whatsoever. Um, so, like vulnerable, so like a pen, a pen test. I always say is like, um, it's like a hack that you know is going to happen. So we're going to try we're going to try and break into your system, but we are telling you that we're gonna try and break in. Like you know that it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So that's what a pen test is. Like you're you've given us well, I did speak to I spoke to someone the other day that said that they'd had a fake pen test. And I was like, What do you mean a fake pen test? And they were like, Well, we had to give someone the username and password. And I was like, Well, like the username and password for an application. I was uh, for the for uh, sorry, a username a username and password to get onto their infrastructure, and I was like well, yeah, because otherwise we'd spend like five days trying to break into your infrastructure and then do the pen test. Um, so it wasn't, a, it wasn't a fake pen test. It was a real pen test. It was just like we'd fish some, if we'd fished credentials off you, then it was exactly the same, right? Um, but a red team in exercise is when you're not, when you've, when you don't know that the, the pen, te- you don't know the pen test is happening. Like where we are actually trying to hack you. We're basically mimicking a hack, a, a, I I don't want to use the word hacker because it's a very controversial term, isn't it? Right. So we're mimicking a criminal trying to enter your environment. Yeah, there you go. So I I think you're describing like a white box compared to black box testing. So white box means you give them entry to the environment and then see what they find. Black Mm. boxes, they have no entry and they have to figure it out. Um, We do external. We do external. We do external and internal pen tests. So an internal one, we always get the credentials, and an external one, obviously, you don't get any credentials. You just scan in their external network. And and do you in, in the services do you dis, do you do things like security awareness, uh, describing OSINT, any of those those types of services? 
Um, so we do like we do fishing tests. So I did see mm-hmm. a tweet the other day that was like people like spear look, said something like spear fishing works. So stop testing people because <laughs> we all know it works. And I did think, well, you do have a point. Like we all know spear fishing works. That's the whole point of it. Like if you like at my at my old place, they did a they did a spear fishing test on us. Um, and they were like, "Oh, click on this for the Christmas party." And it came from one of our, it came from our CTO who was organising a Christmas party. And I was like, "Well, of course I'm going to click on it. Like, why wouldn't I click on it? Because the CTO is organising the Christmas party." So it's a real, and it, it was from his e- his actual email address with an actual thing about the Christmas party and the date that the Christmas party was. Like, of course it's going to work. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So testing people with things like that, I think, I don't know. I have, I do have. Uh, Hopefully there were other red flags in that email that maybe you missed. There were red flags. It was literally, here's a document about, here's here's what you're going to get for dinner at the Christmas party. What do you think? So how's that a fish? So you you weren't meant to click on the document because apparently when you opened the document, it said, ha-ha, you've been fished. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's apparently, there might have been other flags in that, um, (laughs) in that email, hopefully. Like maybe it, displayed that it was from his email but if you looked in the email heather uh you might find it and no but like no. if you think if you think about it if someone's got access to your internal system so if someone's hacked you and they've got your if i mean it's 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 ridiculous because they would have had to have had our cto's username and password and also be able to mfa and you and get bypass conditional access with in azure ad right so yeah, it's like it was a silly test right but it, I guess a, a normal—I was going to say a normal company, a company that's not kind of focused on cybersecurity, where you don't know that they've got these controls in place. Maybe it would have been realistic. Yeah. Like if someone sat in there, if someone sat in your environment and then sends you this email with a document attached, and then there's some macros running on the document or whatever, then I guess it could have been realistic. But I did find the whole thing like, why are we doing this? <laughs> So uh, one one of the comments was that the colonial pipeline was initiated by phishing, um, and and most most attacks are. Um, mm. When you're selling your your services, is phishing is like one of the higher demand ones, or um, what would you say? Not really. I think people know us as a company for security assurance testing or penetration testing. Okay. Um, so we don't get asked about phishing that much. I mean, we've got platforms that can kind of do that. But then, if you've got if you've got an E five license, so if you've got Office three six five ATP or whatever it's called, what's it called Microsoft Defender for Office three six five, they've renamed it. You can mm-hmm. kind of run those own. You can run those attacks yourself anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people know that people fall for phishing. Like if, that's the whole point of it. That's why it's still a thing because it works. If it didn't work, people would stop doing it, right? But, so you mentioned a, a, a term, and I want to make sure that. For the non-technical folks that are listening, information assurance, like how would you describe that term in regards to the services that are provided typically? Yeah, so we, well, so we call it security. I think I was talking to um, a guy called Ashley Pierre the other week and I was on his podcast and he doesn't like the term penetration testing. Mm-hmm. He calls it security assurance testing, which I thought was actually quite a nice way of talking about it because pen test. Well, we call it pen testing, don't we? And then you always get the same crap jokes from someone like, "Oh, I've got a pen. You're going to test it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> See you later, Dad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so we call it security assurance testing because you want to assure your your company that you are a secure organization. So we're there to help you 
have the assurance that your company is secure. Okay. Okay. And um, so let, I think we, we talked about the transitions, but we didn't talk about any of your journey. Like, mm -hmm. did you have struggles in applying for new roles, transitioning, any of that? Or because of your bubbly personality, it just all fell into your lap? I, well, don't don't lead the don't lead the jury, Chris. Jesus. Um, no, I um I didn't have any problems getting a new role, but because I've always I've kind of always hit sales targets. So in sales, it's if you hit target, then you're all right. Um, I might have written on my CV that I'd sold lots of security things before and then got employed. Um, I told you I wouldn't say that, didn't I? Before. <laughs> I said it. Never mind. Um, I no, I've, I got I got employed um, at this uh, identity and access management company, and they were like in the interview, they were like, "What's your favorite bit of Microsoft security?" And the guy who was interviewing me had said MCAS a lot, and I was like, "MCAS is definitely MCAS." I was thinking, "What the f is MCAS? I've got no idea what this means." Uh, but he said he liked it, so then I got the job. And then on the first day, I was sat there going, like, "What the hell is your AD? I've got no idea what this means. What does MCAS mean?" Like I had to rapidly Google it all. But I always find, actually, for a salesperson, I love talking to the technical people. So I know there's in a lot of organisations, there's quite a big gap between sales and technical. Like they all hate each other. Mm -hmm. For I don't, I don't know what reason for, but everyone I, seems to I, hate. I, each other. I have a couple of them. Um... If like a salesperson doesn't know about the product or isn't interested in learning about the product and then they make uh, promises as to what a product can deliver without knowing its capabilities and then the technical folks are then left with delivering on that bag of promises, um, that could be so, one. So I have the other. I have the other side to that argument, whereas I'm like, if you don't join the call and explain to the customer what it does, I'll just fucking make up. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I will just make up what it does, right? I will literally... Sorry, guys, I don't mean to swear. It's six o'clock here, okay? I'm real loud. Um, it's post-watershed. Um, I will just make up what it does if you don't come on the call and tell me. Like, if you're not going to... If you're not there to tell a customer, how am I... I'm not technical. My job... And in, in sales, my job is relationship management. That is basically why I get employed, because I'm good at making friends with people. That's literally the only thing you need to do in sales, right? I'm always interested in this technology, luckily. So I always like if I get a if I if I ask a technical person to write or help me write a proposal, I'll always talk, ask them to talk me through it first, mm -hmm. so that I, when a customer comes back and asks questions, a it saves them time having to answer questions because I'll understand it. But b because I am actually genuinely interested in what I'm selling. Like if I'm selling it, then I need to be passionate about it because you're not gonna if you're not passionate about something, you're not gonna be able to sell it. I always think. Yeah, that's, no, that's what makes that, you a salesperson. Like you need to, you need to like exactly. love what you're selling. Exactly, you you have to love what you're selling. But but I think because uh, I was in sales way back when, um, I actually used to sell cell phones and sell cars. Um, but I think cars. Ah, wow, were you a sleazy sales car person? Do I look like one? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are wearing sunglasses inside, so baby. Yeah, I do. I, I have that light sensitivity issue. Um, <laughs> but I always like to figure out like what is the problem that you're facing, mm -hmm. and then relate that to what I'm selling. Can yeah. my can my product or service help solve their problem? If not, like oh, be yeah, straight up and go, "Hey, we can't help you here, but these other people they can help you, or we could help you with this, this, and this." 
if you're interested, then we could talk more. If not, like, have a good day. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of. So I had a sales trainer once that was like, "You need to make yourself a chameleon so that everyone likes you." And I was like, "No, I don't. That's ridiculous. Not everyone's gonna. That's not everyone's gonna like me. That's. To, I'm totally fine with that. I'm a hundred percent on board with everyone not liking me. I'm totally cool with that because I don't like everyone else either. It's great." <laughs> um, <laughs> But like, so I'll get customers that ring me and they're like, oh, I just want to do, I want to do, I don't know if you guys over there, you don't have Cyber Essentials. So do you know, do you know what it is? Uh, no, no. Like a program? So Cyber Essentials is like, um, it's like a compliance standard. Okay. It's, it's, for, it's produced, it's, it's to help companies get more secure. So basically everyone's meant to be like Cyber Essentials, um, accredited but basically you just fill in a questionnaire i hope no one is listening from cyber from the cyber essentials accreditation body um <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically you just for cyber essentials basic you fill in a questionnaire and be like yeah i do all these things so there's five areas that it covers which i'm going to remember now patching so you have to patch your systems malware protection so you have to have like i don't know you have to have like an av on your laptop firewalls um so you have to have a firewall uh identity management and oh what's the other one there's another one as well i can't remember what it is now but yeah so there's five areas that you have to cover and they're all really bloody simple but to get a cyber essentials basic accreditation you fill in a questionnaire and go yeah i do all these things well, yeah. like, well i can just print out my own well, i can just say yeah i do them just print out my own certificate color it in and stick it on my wall then brilliant what was the point yeah, no, um, for yeah. It, but there's like the, and then the the pl- the cyber essentials plus certification is where you have to like a company comes in like we so we do cyber essentials plus and we'll come in and we'll like we'll at least do a vulnerability oh device management that's the other that's the other pillar and um, to check that you've got like passwords on your devices and stuff but we'll come in and then check that you are actually on the latest operating system so we do like a vulnerability scan to check that what you're saying is true yeah um but it's still like it's not that hard to to fudge it and yeah. loads of companies are like, oh, I'm Cyber Essentials Plus. And I'm like, yeah, because you probably switched off the servers that were on, like, Windows 2010 <laughs> when we did the vulnerability scan. Hello. So when, I wanted to address some of the comments. Um, what is cell car? No, I used to sell cell phones and cars. Separate yeah. topics. Um, not cell cars. <laughs> uh, that would that might lead someone to jail. But um, in the U.S., the government isn't as prescriptive in regards to those types of services. There are frameworks like the uh, CSF, NIST CSF framework, uh, HIPAA, uh, PCI, but um, none of them are like prescriptive services, but they are guidelines that Mm. you have to follow. Um, Not accreditations like that, but um, that's definitely an interesting approach. If I talk to customers that are like, oh, I just need to get this Cyber Essentials Plus because I've got a contract coming up. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk to you then because you're just doing it for a tick box exercise. You're not actually doing it because you want to be more secure. You're doing it because you want to put a tick in the box. I have no interest in having a conversation with you. Like, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, no, no. None of my customers are watching either. Um, I, if they, if, but if they are tick box ones, I'm just like, I'm, go, I'm just going to give you to another account manager because I honestly don't care. Like, I only want to talk to people that are interested in security because I'm interested in security. Yeah. So if you're interested in it too, great, we'll get on really well. But if you're not and you're just doing it because someone's told you you need to do it for a contract, well, what's the point? Because you're not actually invested in making yourself more secure. So I have a request from the audience. Um, 
Ron wants to hear your take on continuous on automation and continuous monitoring from Microsoft. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> so perfect, we, perfect. We, we've developed uh, we've developed a platform that'll do like pen test as a service or vulnerability management as a service, I guess it is really. So um, I, I think where he's going is utilizing automation to look for configuration drift, uh, changes in the environment, irregularities, uh, so that rather than having an individual go and find those, the platform will automatically tell you that. They do it already. They do it like secure score. So it'll literally come up and pop up. If you go on like, um, I can't remember the website. It's called, it might be securescore.microsoft.com, I think. Yeah. But that, might that's have, part the of it. URL might have changed, but they've got one for like compliance as well. Now, mm-hmm. so they've got the compliance score, so you can look at your self-healing networks. Exactly, there we go. <laughs> um, you can look at um, you can look at like the compliance score, secure score thing, and it, it will tell you like in real time what changes you you kind of need yeah. to make to your environment. Normally, the number one thing is switch on MFA. Switch it on, guys. We <laughs> said. Look, do you know what annoys me? Right? Everyone tells you to switch MFA on, and no one tells you to disable legacy authentication. Why? Why does no one tell you that? That's like the key bit. If you don't disable legacy auth, then you're screwed because everyone can still get in. I love it. I love it. Well, we, we're about at the the bottom of the hour. Uh, I typically wrap up if you had one piece of sage advice. This time we're talking to salespeople that are in, interested in cyber. What would that one piece of advice be? Go and learn what you're talking about. Don't just assume that because you're a salesperson, you can go sell anything. You need to understand the topics that you're talking about is my one piece of sage sales advice for people. I love it. I love it. Well, Amy Stokes Waters, thank you so much for coming on today. appreciate you spending your Friday night with us, uh, UK time, and having a glass of wine with us and having a good old time. Thank you so much. No problem at all. Love you guys. Bye.